My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Iron Man. Hello, welcome back to the post-credit pod, where we are still diving deep into the DCEU ahead of DC fandom later this month. Now, we've hit the major Snyder trilogy, you know, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Justice League. Now we're moving on to something a little less divisive, a little bit more... Woohoo! Personally, yes, yes, the excitement is warranted a little bit more universally beloved, and that is Wonder Woman. What is your mission? To stop the war. What war? The war to end all wars. Weapons far deadlier than you can ever imagine. The war can be ours. Wherever you are, you are in more danger than you think. I cannot stand by while innocent lives are lost. Be careful, Diana. Who is this woman? She's my um, secretary, sir. (laughs) She's a very good secretary. It is our sacred duty to defend the world. And it's what I'm going to do. Probably, all things considered, the most critically and commercially successful movie of the entire DCU. We're breaking it down. I'm Brandon Katz, senior entertainment reporter for The Observer, here as always with Eric Italiano, senior editor at Bro Bible. Eric, let me start off with maybe one of the most important things for most blockbuster franchises, and that is casting. And here, Gal Gadot, essentially a completely unknown, comes into the DCEU, which I don't want to say was struggling, but was certainly turbulent in its early uh-huh. going and just right from the jump is like beloved. How important was that? Um, so what, what, the last time we talked about casting was in our uh, Suicide Squad, Squad, Suicide Squad pod. Uh, I mean, when we last talked about the best casting in the DCEU. And at the time, I think you said that Gail Godot was an unknown at this point, which I don't think is necessarily true. She was in Fast Five and I think Fast Six, right? Didn't she die? Yeah, it was Giselle. Spoiler alert: she dies at some point. Um, she wasn't a com- okay, so she wasn't a complete unknown. But I wouldn't say the average moviegoer would be like, "That's Gal Gadot." Right, but I think even then, you could see that she had scene stealing type talent. You know, it's not like they they sort of plucked her out of uh, you know complete obscurity. Also, um, Miss Universe representing for the tribe. Got to throw right, that out. right, right. So, how, so yeah, how much, how long before that? Did, did she start, like, when did she win Miss, because she won something, right? Yeah, she, she was like the Miss Israel who, who competed in the Miss Universe pageant. Um, I know that for years, like several years, she was trying unsuccessfully to break into Hollywood. And of course, the Fast and Furious roles were, were really big and important. But when she was going to the, inter, uh, the audition for Wonder Woman, she was contemplating giving up on acting and just, you know, doing something else. She was like, you know, I've really been putting a lot of work. I don't necessarily think it, it's going to happen for me. I love what, I love this profession. And she said this in interviews, which is why I think it's, you know, an inspiring, cool tale. And she's like, I, you know, I just don't know if it's going to happen for me the way right. I, I, I had hoped. So this will kind of be my last hurrah. Wow. And she went in and, and her audition for Wonder Woman, as is the case with a lot of secretive big blockbusters, was she was reading random scenes. These were not like Wonder Woman dialogue. There was no, there was no script yet. It was just random scenes. So she had no idea what the role was about. She had no idea like what she was reading. She just knew Zack Snyder and like Warner Brothers had something big cooking. And she's like, okay, I'll go in. She went back to Israel after the audition thinking like, you know, I gave it my all. I'm proud of my journey. Got the call back. She's like, no, no, no. We need you to come back, hop back on oh, the plane. Wow. You're in. And so now, you know, she is one of the bigger names in Hollywood. She's obviously got this. She's, she's been in a couple other movies. She's got a big action uh, Netflix blockbuster with The Rock coming out. So Gal Gadot's killing it. And I'm so glad that yeah. it kind of turned around for her. That's going to be a dope movie, too. It's got uh, Ryan Reynolds in it, too. Yeah. Uh, so but back to the point, casting. Um, I, I just wanted to, you know, to discuss quick where she started. Um, I don't think it's any uh doubt at this point that she's the best casting in the dcu by a mile i mean she's obviously easy on the eyes you know let's just get get that one done with i've never 
does not hurt. I've never, I've never seen, I mean, and you know, there are beautiful A-listers out there in the world, but I don't think I've ever seen somebody who's just so like physically captivating. Like your eyes just are drawn to her. Um, she's magnetic. She steals every scene she's in, every line she reads, even if it's talking about something ridiculous, you believe, uh, because I think one of the, character's best traits is her just sort of undying belief she's uh, earnest but not earnest great word great word great word like we wish we could be more like that in real life but humanity is a bit more cynical i think yeah exactly so um i mean she is just the definition of a scene stealer she is she we had talked about in our uh justice league pod if we think that they should just start start from scratch and if and if she was not a part of this i think they would have by now but she is such a valuable asset character actress at this stage that they need to do whatever they can to keep her in this role for as long as possible to your point i love the line in wonder woman when they're kind of giving her her period appropriate disguise and he puts glasses on her chris pine puts glasses on her and her assistant is like oh well like she's not the most beautiful woman in the world anymore because that is saying essentially what every audience member is saying and i just think it's not only a funny line but it's like ah we're all in on the joke that this is just a stunningly distractingly right you can't yeah you you just gotta lean into it because It's and that's kind of what I'm saying. Like it's you've never really seen anything like it. Magnetic, you said it. I mean, you are drawn. Your eyes are drawn to her. Yeah, and, you know, a talented woman. And it's not even right. I was just gonna say. I mean, yes, she's drop dead gorgeous, but she's also just charismatic. You know, it, it, it's it's her personality, her acting as well. It's all one package. Uh, so I just think to put a bow on this one, I think it. Of the DCEU, casting her in this role is one of the biggest wins that they've had. And uh, as long as she keeps playing the role, I think every film that she'll pop up in will do well. Yeah, and I agree that her casting is one of the most important decisions made in the DCEU. And we got to give Zack Snyder credit. Snyder picked her, right? Yeah, it was Snyder's decision. And I know throughout this pod series, I've, I've certainly shared my fair share of criticism against Snyder, but that was a really great call. But now, with her in the role, and, and she's firmly entrenched and beloved, but are we considering Wonder Woman, which came out in 2017, the first female-led superhero blockbuster, or are we considering it the first female-led superhero blockbuster of the modern era, since we did get Elektra and Catwoman? And, and even beyond that, does it matter, Eric? So does this it- is a great one, Brandon. You wrote this one down, so full uh I wasn't fishing, but I like what I caught right there. Um, Well, because, and I I want to say that because I haven't, when you think of first woman superhero film, your brain immediately goes to Captain Marvel. Like you don't even consider the ones that came out in like the early 2000s, right? Mm -hmm. Which leads me to say, yes, I would consider this the first female-led superhero blockbuster period because Elektra, Catwoman were to the point of a farce. I mean, they didn't intend for it to be that way, but these are movies that are sub 20% score on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, Catwoman 16 years later is still a joke. And that's not because they were female-led blockbusters. No, no, no. They were just bad movies. No, yeah, they were just bad movies. Um, And I also think that those drops before superhero movies became what superhero movies are. Right, it was a bad time. It it was, you know, if if you look back at the comic book films that were coming out then, I mean, first of all, I guess Hollywood deserves credit for even really trying at that point. You know, Batman Begins hadn't come out yet, I don't think. Uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, so I think uh, Catwoman was 04. Elektra might have been, I don't know, 05. Uh, Yeah. Um, like we were we were heading in the blockbuster boom yeah but point era. being all we really had it at the point was batman x-men and spider-man right and then yeah. Dare, daredevil and superman of course right but i'm saying you know of the modern age right so they took a swing at it but whether it be and you know what now that you bring it up i think it's more of an indictment on the time period itself than the films but those were just so bad that nobody looks back at them and thinks you know what that's a female empowerment superhero blockbuster like that is that is a 
a flag in the ground, a line has been drawn, we're moving forward. I don't think that that's the case. In fact, I think those two films actually may have done damage yeah. because of how poor they were. And then it Absolutely. took, you know, another 10 plus years to get a female-led superhero film. It was so, really, really unfortunate because like you said, they, Hollywood is a, just like, you know, football or any professional sport, it's a copycat league. And when those two movies failed to succeed both critically and commercially, other studios took note and everybody involved was reluctant to take a quote unquote risk on a female led superhero, right. even though they produced some of the best superhero movies we've had over the last 10 years. Yeah. So I think, yes, I, I think this, I would count this as the first female led superhero film, whether it be regardless of modern age, you know, last 10 years or so or not. Uh, just it's, sh it's sheer scale. It's sheer quality makes it, a, you know, a true landmark film in that sense. And I think that's also one reason why the movie overperformed domestically at the box office with more than 400 million Ooh, here at home. Baby. Now, now, typically these blockbusters have their box office split 35% here in America, 65% overseas. That's generally the rule. But Wonder Woman was actually pretty much 50-50 down the line, which you never see. And that's because, and, and for once, you know, I, we, I think... We criticize American culture quite a bit, but for once we rallied around a really, really good cause that was also really deserving because it was a kick-ass movie. And I was just so happy to see that. And I still go back and look at the numbers and just smile at my computer screen like a stupid grinning idiot. I want to point out when this came out too. This came out after- 2017. Man, so after Man of Steel, after BBS, and after, <clears throat> excuse me, Suicide Squad. Yes. The pressure was high. I mean, <laughs> like I was worried. I was like, if they haven't figured out Batman and Superman, Lord help them now. This was Buffalo Bills going into their fourth consecutive Super Bowl in which they had lost the previous three. Yes. That's the type of pressure that yes. this is. Here, folks, you come here for both film, TV, and sports. Um, we got you covered. We have no social lives, so it's all good. So, well, I mean, the whole world doesn't right now so i just think it's important to point out that at the time i mean had this gone wrong they would have shut the whole thing down yep i don't think there's a question i mean you know uh she became the draw of justice league if that character doesn't if she's not a home run their holy trinity is sort of eh, like nobody's really that excited about them so in a sense, she sort of saved the entire franchise with this film. Name me one series in the history of entertainment that survived four consecutive yeah. controversial, divisive final products. Name me one. If Fast there and is Furious. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I really like five. Five is dope, but seven <laughs> I, and eight, seven and eight are preposterous. Actually, no, seven's the one where uh, Paul... Paul Walker dies, right? But yes, but but each of those that you're talking about produce growing box office. Right, 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 right. I don't know. I don't know if there is one. And I, I don't think so either. Which yeah. you know, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad. Right? No, but right. they all they all made money. Yes, but they were all. But aside from Suicide Squad, they all underperformed relative to expectations. For sure, they all proved divisive among you know critics and and some fans. So if you're Warner Brothers. And Wonder Woman comes out and it still makes a little bit of money, but doesn't meet expectations and divides the fan base again, you're shutting it down, like you said. It, there's just no way the brand survives that. Yeah. And Wonder Woman came in and just essentially saved what, what would become the DCEU now, right. you know, because they would have pivoted. They would, they would have put this to bed, I think, and try to recycle the IP a few years from now when For sure. there's a little bit less fresh sure. in our minds. So... Wonder Woman. She, she was a hero in the movie and she was a hero in the industry. Yep, yep. Now, this is more of a nerdy question, but it's one I love debating and one that I think our more hardcore comic book fans out there will enjoy. Is Wonder Woman the second most powerful member of the Justice League behind Superman? Yes or no? Yes, and I mean, and so as I rewatched last night, I tried to think about how you said that they hint that she could fly. Um, and I, and I do think at the end, the last scene is her jumping, but it's yep. a, 
I mean, it's a, it's more than a jump. It's like a, it's like a float. So I think if you add it, I mean, she doesn't have the same powers, but in terms of sheer physical strength, 100%, it's not even close. Frost is what I call my morning breaths. <laughs> I mean, he would still kick her ass. We see that kind of, he just come fresh out the grave and headbutts her directly in into the ground. So like, you know, I still think there's a clear gap there, but she could hold her own for a little bit. And I think any other hero, you know, short of once they get into, you know, John Jones and stuff, that is a completely different, you know, field of play. But for who they have now, for sure. And I think she works Aquaman one-on-one. And I think she destroys Flash one-on-one. And of course, Batman has contingencies for everybody. I, I get that. But like ultimately, I you know I, I think she beats Batman too. Well, you said powerful, right? Power. Yeah. I mean, I'm always gonna take my boy bats in any yeah. scrap. So you're biased. <laughs> no, have you seen uh, Justice League Doom where somebody hacks all yeah, of his plans to kill the whole squad and they get run train through? Like, dude, come on. I know that he's got contingencies and everything. He's not even the one who unleashed those plans and it destroyed them. Imagine I if he did it. Every medium has the most serious mental gymnastics in the writing to perform in order to make sure Batman isn't immediately killed in every fight. I love I Batman. He's the best. He's probably pound for pound my second favorite superhero ever. But like, Mine too. Spider Man? No, Superman. Superman will always be my favorite. Okay. The reason I love Superman the most is because he is literally a god who has contemplated his place in the world and decided that he is going to use his powers to help people and to make a better world. Whereas I know that I'm, I think I'm a good person. I think I was raised well by a good family, but I would absolutely unequivocally without hesitation, use all of those powers for my own self betterment. I would help other people, but I would also unfairly enrich my own life too. <laughs> all right. he, and he makes the choice when he could do anything else to help. And, and I think that's truly beautiful, man. He yeah, really no, that's inspiring that. shit. And now hearing that from your voice, I could understand why people don't fuck with the current version. You know what I mean? Because you just perfectly described what the character should be. But we're all off track here. Sorry, folks. Um, uh, you guys will forgive us. You're all nerds. Yeah. Too, if, you're listening. if you're 20 minutes into this podcast, you're a nerd too. And I think uh-huh. you like it. <laughs> so, uh, we went off tangent with uh, you got me going with uh, the Batman thing. That's it's your hard. fault. That's that's your fault. That's but uh, so yes, in, in terms of in terms of sheer power, it goes soups and then her, and then it's not even close for you know three, four, five, six. Well, who do you think is three? I mean, again, like the Flash is like a you know a very tricky one because once he gets into time travel and stuff. Batman could be as smart as he wants. He can't bend time. So, like, so I would have to say Flash, but again, power and the ability to win a battle aren't the same thing. That's true. But so, but- in terms of raw strength, then Flash is third. Flash, yeah. Ezra Miller version, no. But Flash of like the comics and Flash that people know, that guy's got the speed force and time travel. He, he's so powerful. Dude, I read Flashpoint like two months ago. I mean, this is not, you know, groundbreaking shit, but what a story. <laughs> I mean, what a story. Great. One of the best uh, DC animations. Yeah, dude, so emotional. I wasn't expecting that. So, so yeah, Flash is third, but let's get back on track here. You? <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm going Flash 3 as well, because I just, the speed force is so unbelievably, unbelievably powered, powerful. He's healing himself, like, in real time. He can think as fast as he as he moves, like, you know, I, I, I like this version of Aquaman with Jason Momoa, but I just think he gets worked for, by everybody else's cunning and abilities as opposed to him just being, like, more so brute strength. And so like, we've got like, Soups 1, yeah, The Wonder Woman 2, Flash, Flash 3, Aquaman, Aquaman 4, 5. But, but Batman is kind of number two in a different way. Do you know what yes, I mean? for sure. Okay, yeah. got it. All right, so yes, all right. But that is a good kind of way to go into what what I want to talk about next. We've now talked about all the heroes, but in Wonder Woman, what do you think is the single standout best hero moment? I mean, come on, there's just one, right? Take it, Brandon. Go ahead, Slick. 
Listen, the easy answer and the only answer really is the no man's land trench seat. This is no man's land, Diana. It means no man can cross it, all right? This battalion has been here for nearly a year and they, they barely gained an inch. All right, because on the other side, there are a bunch of Germans pointing machine guns at every square inch of this place. This is not something you can cross. It's not possible. So what? So we do nothing? No, we do, we are doing something. We are. We just we can't save everyone in this war. This is not what we came here to do. It's what I'm going to do. Because it's just flat out spectacular in everything you want from a blockbuster. But then after that as well, like the entire 20 minute stretch. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. But I, because that was the obvious answer and the right answer, I didn't go with it. Because I was Oh, like, hell yeah. All right. Let's try to change it up. I'm going to go with the training montage earlier in the movie, and specifically the first time she unleashes the energy blast with her powerful okay. wrist armor, that is the first moment that Diana realizes, A, Whoa. that she's different than everyone else, yep. even yep. with that mascara, and B, not only is she different, but that she is capable of much more than she ever believed. Now, those two realizations for her character are really important for the rest of her journey, even leading through Justice League, like multiple movies away, because it says that she is supposed to be a force to be reckoned with in the world, not just, you know, on her little island of Themyscira. And I, and I think that that look on her face when she's looking like, holy crap, what did I just do? That says everything we need to know about everything else she learns from that point on, right. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I mean, and that was, I mean, Again, I guess, you know, one uh, takedown of this film could be, you know, the fact that they're so on the nose in those times that we're both like, okay, here's here's the top two, and it's not even close. But I think more to say about that later. <laughs> even despite that, though, I don't think it wades into being cheesy. I think it toes that line very carefully. Uh, and I think a huge part of it is because of her, because she's selling the fuck out of it. You know, you believe that she's this earnest and believes this much in her purpose. So, uh, but just back to the front line scene. I mean, is that the best scene in the DCEU? That entire stretch of her crossing, leading the battle across the, you know, the no man's land and then going into that town. And when she jumps into the building, and kicks ass, I have that as my second best DCEU fight scene behind the Batman. I mean, sure, Eric, when she jumps into a building and starts kicking ass, it's heroic. But when I do it, I'm mentally unstable <laughs> and need to be under careful watch. And you, 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 well, you don't look like her, Brandon, so that, that may explain <laughs> it as well. I got a face for podcasts, baby. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that that scene alone is just probably one of the best scenes in the DCEU as a whole, really. Yeah, you're right, because it is. It's <laughs> emotional and that cool. It's, it's got the combination of narrative sense. This is a big moment for her. And she had been saying, take me to the war. So that's the most literal definition of like where she could do her warring thing that she's been dying to do. And what she does inspires mankind to be their best self. So that's, that's important thematically. And then number two, it looks so cool. She's just like, bing, 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 bam. The contrast of her colorful suit against the gray disgustingness of war looks, I mean, war is hell, but it looks so good. Patty so Jenkins good. and the whole DP team just knocked it out of the park. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So obviously, listen, we've talked ad nauseum already, and we're only kind of in the early bit of our podcast about how great Wonder Woman is. So the yeah. answer to this question may be obvious, may not be. No Who way. MVP award go to? I have three, Brandon. Ooh, three. Okay. Hit me. Period pieces. Ooh. Uh, because, Jesus Christ, the fact that they were able to get away from the BVS, you know, wait and do their own thing saved this franchise. It was just a nice breather to be somewhere else. And yeah. it lets the focus be on her. No one asks. Where's Superman? Where's Batman? Why don't they just come and help? 
so I think that that- They didn't even need that opening scene where Batman sends her the email. I didn't even think they needed that. They could have right, just started- Right, of course, but, the, but you, know, you know, but of course. But, but franchise building. Uh, so I think that that not only, you know, allowed them to relieve the weight of the BVS-ness that had dragged down the DCEU thus far, but it was just something cool. Like, we hadn't seen that yet. Like, a superhero... Uh, Captain America came out years prior, but I guess just... The World War II, though, which, again, you nitpicking, but they are different. Yeah, yeah, and just the fact that in the DCEU, compared to what we had seen so far, it was just so different. Totally. Uh, So that was great. Number two, good writing. Yep. Round of applause for good writing. I mean, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Like, it's about time. Everything makes sense. There's no, like, wait a minute, why'd they... I mean, I'm sure there's a few that you might have... Uh, but you know, like even the boat scene oh, where, and like all those sex jokes, hilarious. Where I come from, babies are, are made differently. <laughs> You're referred to reproductive biology. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know all about that. I mean, I refer to that in, in other things. The pleasures of the flesh. Do you know about that? I've read all 12 volumes of Cleo's treatises on bodily pleasure. All 12, huh? Mm -hmm. So it's a hilarious, it's a funny movie. It's well-written. The story makes sense. As you said, the themes make sense and the set pieces aren't just set pieces. They actually advance the plot as well. Um, Good writing. Number three. Backless dresses. Yeah. Because, because, because goddamn, I mean, yeesh. She's with the sword in the, in the back, which I don't even know. Oh, she's wearing her suit beneath it. Um, Listen, this is just a a very random aside, but like dating back to like uh, James Bond movies and things of that nature, I have always thought it was just elementally cool when people have awesome fight scenes in formal wear i don't know why i just like in my mind i'm like that's dope because Every it's time. like a contrast i think yeah you know what i mean i mean james bond the fact that he kicks most of his ass in a fucking two thousand dollar suit or it's gotta be like you know slim fitted pretty I, tight yeah it's so really i mean of course it's g as hell it's just it's just g uh but i mean she just wears the hell out of that dress and the fact that she's ready to go to battle in the middle of a of a German party and <laughs> just cut this dude's head off. It's yeah. just so badass. I mean, visual language is like the subtext of the movie. And like you said, of course it looks great, but the backless dress with the sword in there, it says so much about the character in such an efficient and kind of really stunning way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she like, again, she stands out in the entire room. It's all like dark colors, her blue dress, pops and like the the whole scene just looks great uh and it's just badass like it's like she's just wearing that just so just so she could sneak in and once she gets her shot she'll cut this dude's head off first shot first chance she gets so i want to be in wonder woman's crew you know i would just feel very safe being like this is a woman who's gonna walk into a, a german world war one party and just cut a guy's head off and, That's just, awesome. and just let rip yeah. yeah all right brandon Go ahead. My real MVP, and I'm going to talk about this quite a bit throughout this pod, is Chris Pine's Steve Trevor, who sacrifices himself to essentially save the world. And I think he's the real MVP for multiple reasons. Number one, he and Diana operate in tandem on two different levels. She's addressing the celestial and otherworldly threats that Ares represents, while he's taking on the kind of earthly, more immediate threat of war, which is a kind of boots on the ground uh, difference to her, you know, stars and skies threats. And I think that's a really beautiful dynamic. And he exhibits a deep understanding of the twisted nature of humanity while still choosing to believe that the actions of the few can change what we are. You know, he is a blend of realism that, listen, Diana, like, we're at war because people are just inherently bad, but also optimism. Diana, you can save the world, which is probably the right combo that maybe all of us in our everyday lives should strive for. We should understand and note that, 
you know, for the most part, humanity is pretty bad. And every chance we get to improve ourselves, we kind of screw it up. But that doesn't mean we aren't still capable of bringing out the best in everybody and changing. And I think he's really the embodiment of those themes and plays off of Diana so well. I, you know, this movie does not work without Steve Trevor being who Steve Trevor is. I mean, I think what you just said, A, very sweet, but B, uh, can be summed up in the fact that he's so good that they killed him and are trying and, and, and went out of their way to figure out a way to bring him back for the sequel, which takes place 70 some odd years later. Yep. So, which I cannot see, I cannot wait to see how they even attempt to make that one make sense. But that just goes to show how much he brought to this film, that they went, moved heaven and earth to make sure that he stayed in this. Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit later when we get to it about kind of the behind-the-scenes dealings with Chris Pine and Warner Brothers, because I, I think they ever, all parties involved knew how valuable that he could be. Okay. Now, we've talked about the kind of heroes of Wonder Woman. Do you think, because this is a little bit where some criticism can sneak in, really? do you think that a different villain could have made Wonder Woman better? Uh, no, I think that going like the mythology route first is always a smart move because you could explain the world and that's key in the first film mm -hmm. had they gone someone more famous like cheetah you know i think that that, that that's a card that you should save uh and i think that the, uh danny houston and i don't know the guy's name who plays uh aries aries but Maybe he's great too yeah. so not only did i think it was just a smart simple choice but they cast two guys that are just always play a good bad guy you know yeah for the most part i agree i do not think a different villain could have made this movie better but i think perhaps a different representation of aries maybe it would have worked better in the final act david thulis who does play uh, Aries is a fantastic actor. This guy has been putting in work for a long time. He's always good. And I love that as Aries, he's operating as this puppet master in human form from behind the screens, pulling strings, putting the pieces into place so that his master plan can come together. I love that. But, and this is again, agreeing with a lot of the criticism out there, super, superimposing his face onto Aries' body for a bland and generic third act CGI punch him up. I disagree. It's a bit of a deflating conclusion for what was otherwise a fun movie. I went into it thinking in my head that I was like, oh, this film is great, but that third act, the end of that third act is not what I really want. But when I rewatched it, I, I was like, this is great, actually. I like how, you know, his powers are sort of newish. Like he builds the suit out of the scrap and you know, claws his face mask with the burning hot like lava. I mean, it may have been a little, you know, standard, but I think that they made it look sweet. See, I'm, I'm the exact opposite, I think. I didn't like it when I saw it in theaters. Haven't liked it on rewatches. And then rewatched it again for the purposes of this pod and was like, man, this third act is just really bland, gray, dark, and kind of silly with his big mustache pointing out behind that cool helmet that he has. And listen, I'm always down for, for a big punch him up fight scene, but there was nothing necessarily about this fight scene that separated itself from other third act climaxes yeah, yeah, yeah. and other blockbusters. But again, this is, this is a kind of generic vanilla fight scene. I'm not saying, man, that third act was terrible. I'm just saying, that I think in consensus, that's probably the weakest element of the whole film. For sure, for sure. But I feel like that that's kind of built in in these days with these films. You expect that, I mean, you know, unless they crush it, you expect the third act to kind of be this hole in the sky CGI blowout at this point, you know? like That's the problem then. You got to throw in a new wrinkle. Now, I know you're not a huge fan as we've talked about on the pod for that episode, but I think introducing the Shazam family in the third act of that movie was a really, really cool twist that I didn't see coming. And I thought it was really fun to see each of them kind of experience their powers in their own way. And I think you can do third act, you know, finales in a good, exciting, fresh way. And just because that we expect them to be kind of so, so ho-hum doesn't mean you should live down to expectations as the New York Giants do every single season. Tell them, Brandon. Oh, don't even, I'm, I'm a Jets fan, bro. So. 
I'm a, I'm a long-suffering Washington fan, so obviously I'm going to take shots at the Giants. Oh, yeah, that's fair enough. So that's a weak element of the film to me. Another weak element that we talk about for each of these movies, the Jared Leto Award for the film's worst performance. And poor Jared Leto is just getting dragged in our post-credit pod. And long shall it continue, Brandon. Long shall he reign. So who do you think in this movie, which is very well cast across the board, I was was going deep on the IMDb game in preparation. I'm like, man, they got some, some good people and even these small roles. But who do you think is the worst performance of the movie? Well, I think to make clear, it doesn't need to be worst in terms of acting. It could just be like the out of place. Or yeah, something. like or or just like the character itself. Who was the worst? Like who who fucked up the most? Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so mine here is Hippolyta, um, because I I just kudos on that pronunciation, man. He nailed it. Uh, I made sure. Um, so like. She, uh, Connie Nielsen, right? Yeah. Uh, she's great. She plays her great, but I don't understand her thinking at all. Like, how is not training the God Killer remotely a choice? Why does she even consider that? On what earth is that your best move? I just don't get it. She knows why she's there. She can't. Ha- she's gonna figure it out one day, as you said. When you're this powerful, like. Just from being on the earth, you figure it out at some point. Um, and then when she, when uh, Di- Diana learns that her, you know, her shield force trick, Hippolyta says, what have I done? Oh, I don't know. Perhaps just like created the world's greatest chance against the God of war and threats that might come. Like chill out a little bit. So within the narrative, I'm asking you this seriously, not even as a joke, within the narrative, Let's say Diana never like learns to fight and she's like Themyscira's resident scholar or like academic, right? They all train though. Yeah, but like, you know, let's just say like she wasn't pushed, you know, she she was basic training, like her like her mom wanted. Okay. What happens realistically? What happens to the world in World War One when Ares is pulling the strings and there's not a trained Wonder Woman out there? Like Exactly. That's my whole point. It doesn't make sense to me. She was created to like protect man or some shit from like, the god of war eventually he, he eventually Ares finds Themyscira right uh, uh, well that I, I don't know that I don't know I can't I I can't speak to that but I, the the one person her mother who should know why she's there is the most active against getting her there and I just think it doesn't make sense at all yeah it's like I know she wants to protect her and I know she wants her to just you know but it's called it's called fate, Brandon. Like like her fate was pre-written. You know, it's not up to her. And I, I you know what, I, I I disregard, I reject that to a certain extent. I think we're in control of our fate. More not so when you're a god. Not, not 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 but when you're a god. If she wanted it too, which she did, like Hippolyta, you know, one trainer and two, like the entire world plus Demascara, in my opinion, is going to be destroyed at a certain point later when Ares returns if you don't do this so yeah what's the hold up besides like the writing demanded it yeah so that that was just dumb to me across the board so for my answer for this I am truly not trying to dunk on a little kid because it's not their fault they're putting oh my god the first act to me receives a markdown for using the child actor to portray young Diana it, it would have just been better for them to start with her as a teenager or a young you know, woman, because to me, in Hollywood, child actors are like buffalo wings. Sometimes it's gonna go great, and sometimes it's gonna backfire. And if possible, just try to write your way around that, because I don't think you should necessarily hinge pivotal plot points on child actors. I just don't think it always works. I think that's fair, but you are ruthless. I know that's cruel. I really am not trying to dunk it. I'm not saying I could. No, I know. I know. I think it's fair. I mean, she's in it, you know, she's, you know, know, I think like the the first act and and I will speak more of this later. uh, I'm just not, I was, you know, I was in the theater being like, I'm not so sure about this. Then the movie started to ramp up and I'm like, yep, I'm in. Thank God. Yeah. Okay. So, so having, having basically fulfilled my quota of being a horrible person who makes fun of children, let's move on to something more positive. How about that? <laughs> yes, for sure. And this is a great one. Who, is the, who receives the Jim Gordon Award for the best performance from a non-superhero? And it's I know easy, right? About this. 
But great, great naming on your job. That was a great name for this award. Oh, because Jim seems to be the only one in, at any given point who seems to have a clue of what's going on. You know and what I mean? In the movie, he's portrayed by a great actor, J.K. Simmons. Yeah, so, so I, I think this one is easy, right, Brandon? I think so. I mean, you did a whole, like, rant on him, so we don't need to harp on it for too long, but Chris Pine is just so good in this. I have to go. What are you saying? Steve, whatever it is, I can do it. No, no. Let me do it. It has to be me. It has to be me. I can save today. You can save the world. I wish we had more time. What? What are you saying? I love you. The chemistry between the two of them. Best chemistry of a modern blockbuster romance yeah. in superhero fan- fandom, in my opinion. I hope the way that they bring him back makes somewhat sense because I have no, in the uh, trailer, when they like talk about him, the watch that he gave her like moves. Yep. Um, which makes me roll my eyes a bit already. Um, Cause I don't know if, you know, they're going to somehow work that watch into the way that they bring him back. But the point is that the dude was so good that they brought him back uh, and will be in these films for a while so yeah so yeah it's easily chris pine in my opinion and it's just not even a a close second now i stress that this was just a rumor i cannot confirm this as a reporter as of now but the rumors were that warner brothers offered chris pine his choice between steve trevor and one of the future green lantern roles that's what that's what the word on the street was again a rumor can't confirm it I mean, he's, he looks, he's got, he, he has the look for it. So. Very Hal Jordan. He, but then he why wouldn't he take that role? Because he, he opted for Trevor. And I think he gives this movie so much personality as this comedic sounding board to play off of Diana's fish out of water. And I love, love, love that it's a dynamic they're inverting for 1984, where Steve is coming back into a new time and Diana is guiding him. And, and Pine is so great in this movie and I, and I love that he elevated what can often just be kind of the thankless love interest role like the early Thor movies treated Natalie Portman like uh, Doctor Strange kind of treated um, Rachel McAdams's role and I, and I love that he chose to do that and, and had the writing and the talent to really make it something more not that those women didn't I think the, the scripts failed those women in those roles and they could have been even more substantial than they were and he just knocks it out of the park, and I think he'll be great in 1984 as well. Yep. It's a good one, man. Chris Pine. I Love can't believe. Time. I mean, I hope that that's not true, because he would have been awesome as Hal Jordan. I think it's cool. I, I hope it's true, because I think it's cool that he chose to go with the non-expected, like, less movie star-ish. I guess, I guess that that's cool, but he's st- it's still like a popcorn film. He's still cutting that check. I mean, I don't know. I just think he would have been so great... For- as a fan, I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, but I think a lot of people can be great as a, as a future Green Lantern. I don't know if a lot of people could have made Steve Trevor really pop to the point True. where they okay. got to bring back. Fair enough. Now, sticking with who's in the movie, what was your pleasantly surprising casting or cameo that you noticed? All right, so we talked about the two uh, villains. I mean, both those guys are great. Uh, Spud from Trainspotting. Uh, is the is the guy who can't shoot, who like drinks and can't shoot, um, and then one of the old army like stiff uppity white guys that uh, you know Steve and Diana like have to go convince to go let them do the thing that they need to do was uh, John Snow's mentor, Gior Mormont. Wow, that's cool. I did not pick up on that. Yeah, that that, that guy is just, you know, homie forever. <laughs> I <laughs> love that guy. Well said. He gets a pass in every movie. Yeah, just like, oh, my dude, you know? Uh, so, yeah. 
I'm going with Lucy Davis. She plays Steve Trevor's secretary in the movie, and she is also Hilda in Netflix's The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Thank God, you're not dead. Hurrah and huzzah. I did think you were dead until I got your call, you know. He's been gone for weeks. Not a single word. Very unlike him. I'm introducing myself. It's Etta Candy. I'm Steve Trevor's secretary. What is a secretary? Ooh, well, I do everything. I go where he tells me to go, and I do what he tells me to do. Oh, well, where I'm from, that's called slavery. I really like her. Fantastic. Oh, Ladies, I, after you? I do. I like her. And it does rather feel like that, except the pay's not good. We've got Which I did not realize until re-watching Wonder Woman this time. And I was like, oh, that's how I now know her again. So she's good. That was really cool. Yeah, she, she makes a small role memorable. She's got several really good one-liners. And she also really, really helps liven up the kind of obligatory Diana transitioning to modern day life, like montage type part. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, yeah. And she's so great. Yeah. Across the board, the DCU casting has been pretty impressive. Like deep bench players, good stars, so, really solid. Yeah, that's a good point. But not everything is solid. Some things are, even in the good movie like Wonder Woman, some things just don't work to me. And that's why I want to ask you, what is the winner of the 10-year award for the worst line of dialogue in, in Wonder Woman? Because for as strong as it is, there are some unintentionally hilarious. Oh, moments. really? So I think that this award exists because the first few pods that were that we did were about bad to okay to to just flat out terrible films. <laughs> so I think it's time that we add a best line award okay. because I don't really have one for this. None of the lines popped out to me where I was like, "Wow, that's really bad." Uh, but for the best line, um, all the jokes about her to the war stuff like i think that shit is hilarious it cracks me up every single time uh and then as i said that that boat scene all those sex jokes are great i mean the chemistry there is just crackling yeah 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 it's a good scene so you could cut the sexual tension with a knife and right? the fact that like and the fact that she has all she has all these like ancient ways of like like the things to call sex. It's just, it's just a great scene. It just goes to show how far all they had was like, there's no big explosions. It's not a big set piece. It's good writing and two people who can act. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying I'm thirsty. I'm just saying I too would read all 10 volumes <laughs> if they were made available to the wide public. Yes, for sure. <laughs> okay. So I did not know we were going to pivot to best line. So way to put me on the spot here. Oh, go ahead. Take worst. I'm just saying going forward, we should add best as well fair, fair. but my worst line is when dr poison and ludendorff they're gassing the german cabinet and he throws masks in before locking the door and she's like masks won't help and he says they don't know that and then they laugh like they're dopey villains in a bugs body cartoon they're lame that's a <laughs> great know, like, that's a great line the one knock against wonder woman and it happens more so around wonder woman not her herself is that it may swing too far into hokiness every now and then and again yeah. Her earnestness and her naivety and her innocence and optimism, I think that all works. I think just sometimes surrounding her, I'm like, this is a little bit too campy, but that's okay. It's, it's definitely not like distracting For sure. or, or something that I think necessarily, quote, needs to be fixed. It's just when you rewatch. No, dude, I could kind of see an evil guy being that sort of dude. Like to him, it's just a funny joke, you know? Like, then maybe the delivery, because he's like, that's, they don't know that, ha, ha, ha. I know, I know. The, laughing. The, uh, the laugh is a little much. I will give you that one. It's like the Elmer Fudd out of there. Like, like, <laughs> like, Jesus, this is, this is a, little, a little clownish, but still yeah, good. For sure. So we've really talked about how great this movie is, and now you're, you've clearly turned things and said, we need to add a best line of dialogue, which I agree. All right, so now that we have rewatched the movie, probably for the umpteenth time between both of us, what is one moment, one line, one detail that you notice where you gotta be like, wait, 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 rewind that real quick. Which wins the award for the double take? Uh, I've got three, but it's sort of like one is a two for one. So when Chris Pine wakes up on the beach and he gets that first look at her. Oh. You're a man. Yeah. I mean, 
doing that. Does it look like one? She looks like an angel. And you and, and I, I think it's meant to look like he thinks he's dead. You know Definitely. what I mean? Definitely yes. In that way. Uh, so, I mean, pff, you know, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that, that, that's all I got for that one. Like, uh, that's one our 10-year-old selves, our 15-year-old selves, our 25-year-old selves, and our 50-year-old selves will all agree on. Yes, for sure. Perfect way of saying it. And then leading into that, that beach fight scene, despite the fact why I don't understand why they give up the high ground? Yeah, you know, for, you know, eternally tra trained warriors, I didn't love their tactics. There's, there's no reason for them to go on the beach at all. Just rain arrows. Snipe them. Uh, but... They clearly did it because they knew that they could. They had some sick fight scenes, and those fights, and that fight scene is great. And um, then her aunt needed to die, so right. So you know, fair character development. Uh, right, and then as I said before, the entire no man's land crossing leading into that fight. You know, those fight scenes where she saves the uh, town is you know pound for pound one of the best DCEU. You know. Uh, scenes so yeah you could could watch that 10 times and it's still dope for mine i'm going with something that's a little unintentionally and tragically sad and hilarious at the same time <laughs> I, I yeah i know that's a weird description but i didn't understand how charlie's ptsd was essentially solved by sending him back into battle i think maybe they could have taken a slightly more sensitive approach because he essentially admits to diana and to the group that he's breaking down and like on his last strain of sanity. And they're like, man, that's tough. Now get out there and kill some Germans. Yeah, yeah, that's it's not like, great. Sorry, but I, you know, that's so not like, great. <laughs> in in rewatching it, I was like, man, I understand that, you know, for the plot, they need him to get back out there, but this was kind of handled unsensitively. <laughs> and he's a great character. He's yeah, a great I character. Think, and I think PTSD is a really cool undercurrent theme to put in any type of war movie. But they're just Especially like, at that stage when they don't know what it is, for sure. Yeah, exactly. And but they're essentially just like, "Hey, man, good luck with that." And I'm right. Like, Charlie gets a bad, bad role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, uh, to be fair, because they didn't know what it was back then, that's probably how it was. I know. To, uh, wait, what, kid? You're sad and you're not feeling good in the head. Sorry, pal. Back to war. You know what I mean? So, like, that was probably a very common thing, fucked up thing that they did. It was, but perhaps they couldn't have, they may not have treated it as a punchline here. But listen, that's nitpicking because I also don't need my Wonder Woman movie to provide commentary on the health, mental health of uh, veterans. You know, right. we have, we have right. serious, serious uh, organizations and, and art and documentaries that, that do confront that as they should, because that's a very important issue. I didn't necessarily need my, my Wonder Woman film to do it. I just thought upon rewatching it, I was like, not, not so great right yeah now. not not that great actually that's a good one Brandon so sticking with the not so great again I think we're in pretty much total agreement that Wonder Woman's badass overall but what's the worst thing you could say about this movie since we are critics and it is our job to evaluate the good and the bad this one's more broad uh I worry that it's perhaps a one-off a flash in the pan you know I don't see any there is nothing I mean I'm hyped for the Batman Flash, which sounds like it's going to be Flashpoint-esque, sounds great. But they're, they're, they haven't done anything in the last seven years to convince me that they could do this again. You know, the new one looks solid. I hope it will be great. But to live up to the hype of, uh, sorry, not hype, to live up to how quality, just truly quality this film was, it's going to be tough. It is going to be tough, but... I think actually that 1984 looked better. My life hasn't been what you probably think it has. We all have our struggles. Have you ever been in love? A long, long time ago. You? So many times. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> the first Wonder Woman look like if I'm saying coming from a point of I've only seen trailers for both I remember seeing the first trailer for the True. original I'm like that looks solid for sure yeah it's this a fun trailer this looks awesome yeah for sure okay fair enough but if I were to say the worst thing about this movie we've talked about the third act where I, where I think is kind of generic and old hat I would also say the first 20 minutes of Wonder Woman 
are practically cut and pasted from just about every other origin story we've ever seen. And they telegraph very predictable reveals later on. I've written about this on Observer, if you want to check that out, fans. But to me, it's a very easy fix for what is otherwise a very en enjoyable movie. You know, Wonder Woman 2 won't need to deal with the hand-rigging of introducing the main character's backstory and setting up that, oh, she's the god killer, not the sword. Like, we, we get that all now. And so it won't be a problem moving forward. But I do think the first 20 minutes are a bit by the numbers. And I was in the theater seeing it for the first time, unsure of, you know, which direction this was going to go. But what's the nicest thing you can say about Wonder Woman? We've talked a lot about the positives. but if Yes, so I think that we've said it all. I mean, I think that, you know, great writing, great casting, great set pieces, uh, great themes, great jokes. Uh, it is the DCEU's best film. I had previously said that Man of Steel was. I'm changing that. Man of Steel is my favorite. But this is head and shoulders the best film in the DCEU by a mile. It, it's That's a fair distinction. I think people should be allowed to have best and favorite as different. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, it finally, it's just like, as we said, it saved them. It finally proved that they can figure this out. Uh, they haven't done it much since. They've gotten better at it, but they haven't hit these heights since. Uh, but, and not only is it the DCEU's best, it's probably one of the best in this genre of all time. Yeah, if I had to go with the nicest thing, I would say despite its occasional hokiness, Wonder Woman's best quality is its totally genuine earnestness, which can and should exist right alongside the darker tones and elements of the DCEU. It's a great counterbalance. And on a character level, it's also why Diana and Bruce Wayne always felt like such an organic match, because she is the embodiment of hope and optimism. And you know what? That's nice. Makes me feel all warm and fuzzy, and that's not a bad thing. Yep. So if you catch Wonder Woman on cable, you're scrolling, you're bored on a Thursday night or whatever, are you watching? For sure. No question. Yeah, big time. I mean, that, that's an easy one. Of course I'm watching. But now we, you, we talked about this a little bit just now. Do you want a sequel? I understand that it's coming. but As many as possible. As many as possible. As long as they stay good, as many as possible. She's going to be a draw. I mean, she's still kind of young, you know, so she could at least play this role for another 10 years if she really wanted to. Um, so yes, I'll, I am hyped for the new one. I hope it comes out this year. I hope I really do to have to wait to next year for this one would probably sting the most of anything that's been pushed back so far more than Tenet, more than Top Gun, you know, to lose this one would hurt. Um, it's really annoying because this movie should have its own episode already pod series already because it should have come out in june and of course that hasn't happened so you know but they were one of the smart ones to push it back to like all like for their first date i think was like all, like late august and then they've since pushed it back again to like november 1st i think maybe um no now now it's it was supposed to come out in june then they pushed it to August. Now it's supposed to come out in October. Uh, yeah, so I hope that happens. And if it does, and, and if it's good, I'll keep going. Now, is there any just random observations, stray thoughts, and cool things that you think? Yes, they said it. Wonder Woman? On one of our last podcasts, we didn't know what the name of her rope of truth was. It has a name, and they say it in this. It is the Lasso of Hestia. I always thought it was the Lasso of Truth. Did they nope. change it for this movie? I mean, that may just be what they call it in, like, you know, the comics and stuff. But in this, uh, well, she says it, too, um, of truth at some point. But when they're, like, explaining what it is for the first time, they use its, like, classical name. name. Yeah. And it's That's like, you know, a, a dog Hestia. is a dog, but it's a canine. It's spelled H-E-S-T-I-A. Uh, I don't know what that means, but... <laughs> But there good it is. On. Good on you, dude. Oh, oh, oh. In in uh in Greek, it is the virgin goddess of hearth, the right ordering of domesticity, the family, the home, and the state. Okay. What is what does that really have to do with truth? I don't know, man. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> That's a great question. That's a great question. But, I, I mean, it sounds cool, I guess, so. <laughs> uh, it does sound cool. You know what? Some things can exist 
just for being cool, even if it's nonsensical. All right, and yours, pal? I think it's cool that Patty Jenkins was originally going to direct the second Thor movie, but left due to creative differences. Ultimately, we got Thor The Dark World, which to me is the worst movie in yep. the entire MCU. Yep. I would have been really, really interested to have seen what Patty Jenkins could have done with that franchise. But then, on the other hand, we may not have gotten Wonder Woman from her, probably wouldn't have, actually. And Taika Waititi may have never come on to do Thor Ragnarok and get wow. involved with, with Disney and, you know, have his career explosion. So it's so Sliding interesting doors. to play the what-ifs game. Yep, awesome. That's a good one, yeah. Crazy, because, dude, those Thor, I mean, the first two Thors are, I fall asleep every single time I watch them. It's like a curse. I cannot get through them. They're so boring. Second Thor is just dreadful, and yeah. it's hard to make these movies. I'm not saying that, you know, everything's like, oh, that director was the only reason why I was terrible. It's just, man, that one's tough to get through. Yep. <laughs> so before we leave, this is something I've been thinking about discussing ever since kind of the DCEU launched. Wonder Woman, much like Captain America, is divine by her optimism, her virtue, her earnestness. So why can't all of those qualities that are normally associated with Superman, why can't they work for modern audiences for a Superman movie? I know we've been talking about Wonder Woman, but everyone says, you know, oh, the Man of Steel just, it doesn't work for audiences today. It was a thing of the past. But we've seen it work with Wonder Woman and Captain America. What's the deal? What gives? I don't really know, Brendan. Um, Eric, I ask these questions because I need you to give me answers and guide I don't. I, I don't know. I would say we talked about this in the... Men of Steel pod, um, perhaps it's because she's not as overwhelmingly dominantly powerful that it, it doesn't seem like it's such an unfair fight that, cause you know, we, we talked about how that's a big wall to get into Superman because that is what turned me off at, as a kid. The fact that, you know, I saw him as like a cheat code. Uh, she doesn't have that same aura of godliness despite the fact that she is all powerful is literally a god and he's like he's just an alien who had no powers of his home planet she should be more powerful really. right but just and i think that's good you know yeah. i think that it makes her a more you know she has more depth there's more character to her i think the casting is huge here if she if gail gadot was not as good as she is who knows what this film is you know seriously if, if they got that one wrong, who knows? It's a dark world. I don't want to want to entertain that <laughs> possibility, man. Why would you even bring that up? So yeah, I, I guess mine would, would be a. Uh, they just perhaps cast one of the only people on Earth who could have pulled this off, and b uh, the fact that she, you know, is not as all powerful as Superman helps her. So you've said it now in this podcast, but where do you rank Wonder Woman in the DCEU? Top dog. Yep. No question. Yeah. So in a previous pod, I think I said Man of Steel is my number one. <sighs> Upon rewatching it, this it just has less glaring things that I have a problem with, even if I don't think it's highs, maybe quite as high. So I am also switching. We reserve the right to switch at any time because that's your, your opinion evolves over time. That's just Plus, what it's it still my favorite. Man of Steel is still my favorite. I just think in terms of pure movie going from top to bottom, camera work, writing, casting, set pieces. Yep, exactly. So I think, yeah. yeah. I'm and to be fair, I think it's egregious to think anything else. You know, I don't want to call people out on what they think, but this from, from start to end is just, it, it's so good, as I said, that I fear that they could do it again you know what Eric? i do think you want to call people out i do think you're trying to cause a ruckus so if you're one of those people that feels inclined to ruckus with us reach out to us on twitter i'm at great underscore catsby eric is at great sorry <laughs> eric is at eric underscore ital we would love to just engage in all sorts of tomfoolery on there this has been our wonder woman pod we hope you guys liked it be sure to tune in for the next one because this is extra juicy. We are talking about the Snyder Cut. Yeah, this will be weird. This is going to be very weird, very juicy, very interesting, very controversial. You'll hate us. You'll love us. All manner of human emotions are going to be packed into this next one. Until next time, you guys. That'll be our, uh, that'll be our first pod that is not about a film that's out. You know what I mean? So we're going to have to really you know, dive deep. I'm, I'm, I'm hyped for that one. 